0: Hey, as the lights come on, I uh, want to encourage you to turn to your Bible uh, and uh, turn to Romans chapter 12. Um, there we go. Um, we're in this series, this, this short little series in our new year called The New Life. And if you weren't here last week, we talked about the first portion of Romans 12 where Paul talks about the, the new life surrendered. And we talked about three areas of what surrender means. That surrender means letting go of control, it means walking in transformation, and pursuing renewal. And so if you didn't get a chance uh, last weekend, uh, that's on the podcast, you can go listen to that, you can find that online at our website. But this week, um, as we continue our series, we're talking about the new life together. And Paul opens up in, in Romans 12, in the second half, talking about the body of Christ. And God's design... For his church, for you and I, is unity. God's design, his plan, and his desire for you and I is unity. And the new life in Christ is lived out for you and I as a body. It's not individually. It's not separately. It's together as a body. But before we get into our text, before we get into what Paul has to say in this part of Romans, I want to ask you a question and have you think about this. If someone asked you to describe church to them, if they asked you to describe church to them, and just using the Bible, you cannot use your example of what it's like here, you cannot use any of your past examples, what you've heard a pastor say, that wonderful illustration that they use in kids ministry, that, you know, open the steeple, there's all the people, you can't use any of those things But you can only use what's in the Bible. What would you say? Think about that for a second. If you could only use the word of God to describe what the church is and what the church is called to be, what would be your answer? And last weekend, we talked about how there are many different preferences. There's many different ways to do church. Some you will find pyrotechnics in. Some you will find more charismatic movements in. And there are many ways in which the body moves, and there's not just pyrotechnics or charismatics. There are also those that are focused on different areas. The church is different wherever you go, and we all have different preferences and opinions and views. But Scripture's pretty clear on how the church is to function, and that's as a body, as the body of Christ. And here's the difference that I believe. If you and I were to just look at the New Testament... If we were to spend uh, several hours this morning just looking over from Matthew to Revelation in the New Testament, and we were to look through the whole area of the New Testament, I believe we'd find a big difference, one very big difference, between today's culture of church and the biblical content and the context of church. And that's that today, we say we go to church. In the Bible, it says, we are the church. And that's a huge identity shift. That's a huge thinking shift. And yes, we gather together, but it's more about what we are than how we gather. And you see, somewhere along the lines, we've made it more about going in attendance. We've made it more about how we show up in buildings. But if you and I are Bible-believing Christians, if we align ourselves with the word of God then it's more about what we're doing on the outside of this gathering. It's more about what you and I are doing midweek together, and that's what makes us the church. So when we gather together, it's more about us celebrating, not so much about us trying to go to church. And so as we open up in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3, I, want, I really want us to think about this, that To really and hopefully get outside of the mentality and the thinking that that we go to church. But that we'd have an identity shift in understanding that together we are the church. Together we are the church. And so starting in verse 3, Paul says, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us each use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if serving, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> and so you see, as the body of Christ, the biggest thing that is important for us to understand is that all of this is together. And there's a couple of things that together means. Is that together means we belong to each other. We're not individuals. Paul says when you consider your gifts and you're thinking about yourself, do so with sober judgment. And here's what I believe Paul is, is after, is when he opens up chapter 12, he says, first you've got to surrender your life. You can't try to use your life for the glory of God if you're not willing to surrender it. And so if you're going to have a surrendered life, if you're going to let go of control, if you're going to walk in transformation and pursue renewal, then you need to do so By giving your life completely to God. Giving your life completely to God. That way you have the opportunity to act in your gifts for others. So it's a gift given to you to re-gift. It's an interesting gift. God gives us gifts so that we can re-gift. So Paul says, "Don't, don't think so much about yourself in this. Don't think that you have that one gift that is better than all the other gifts. You have a specific gift, but think with sober judgment, because your gift is to be given. I mean, have you ever been so dependent upon someone in your life? Think back to a moment where you've just been so dependent upon someone. Or think back to a moment where someone was completely dependent upon you. Parents, you probably understand this, right? I mean, over the last couple weeks of my of, of my wife having our son and me being a new dad, I am completely learning selfless serving, both for my wife and for my son, because I have a choice at 4:30 in the morning when he is screaming and he doesn't like the fact that he has a poopy diaper, and I don't like the fact that he has a poopy diaper. But if I roll over, I can just ignore it and let that go on. But to get up and serve both my wife and my son and say, let me care for you. You're completely dependent upon me and I have the ability to serve you. And so we, we belong to each other. We together have gifts to serve one another. I mean, think about it this way. When Jesus was on the earth, when he was here in physical form, he selflessly served in that body. And then when he ascended to heaven, as we read in Matthew 28, and he left the disciples, then he continued to minister in a spiritual body through us. And so we have the opportunity to selflessly serve one another for the building up of the body. Paul says this in Ephesians 4 to the church in Ephesus. He tells them that their gifts are meant to equip his people to work and to serve. So that the body of Christ can be built up. So that it can be built up. And so it's the gift that doesn't just sit, right? Could you imagine your kids getting up on a, on a Christmas morning or on their birthday and saying, you know, man, thanks so much for that gift, but I just don't feel like opening it. Let's just put that on a shelf. Man, that thing looks so good wrapped. I don't need to know what's inside. None of your kids are going to do that. That's ludicrous. But yet often that's something we tend to do with our gifts that God gives us. But yet the purpose of our gifts are to equip others to follow God, to build up his church, to be his church. And so we belong together as the body of Christ. That we intentionally gather together, we intentionally serve together, which means we're an outward physical expression of the active and living God of the active and living God. So when we choose to be selfless, when we consider others above ourselves and we think of ourselves only with sober judgment, we get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus because together we belong to one another. And together also means that where we differ from one another, we can be stronger. Now, I really love my wife. I really do. I love my wife. But she is not an organized woman. Now, I don't know if, if our differences come from the fact that I grew up uh, playing Tetris a lot. <clears throat> and so I just look at a problem and, you know, that block goes there and that block goes there. And I think about it easily. And for her, she can stand in front of a shelf that needs organizing for three hours. And I can come back and she's still overwhelmed and processing. Because that's not something she does quickly. That's not something that she would say, I'm not gifted in being organized, Um, but I love to be organized. I do. I'm an organized junkie. Um, I look at something and see how it can be organized, and I can see the beginning, the middle, and the end result. Now, my wife loves me, and I really know that, but I am not good with memory things. Now, see, I've been, by the grace of God, I remember our wedding date and her birthday and son's birthday. (coughs) Um, It's it's helpful but I forget things and there are times where we'll talk about scheduling or or what's coming up or we'll talk about even a topic that I taught on and she'll go oh I remember when you said this little piece Like, wow that's good that's good <laughs> you know which usually is I'm quoting someone else it wasn't me but she's really good at remembering things And see, our differences play, we have the opportunity to play through to our strengths. Could you imagine if I forced my wife to be organized? Now, that's something she tries to work on, and I try to work on remembering things, because we can't just be codependent, saying, I'm not good at that, therefore, you should just always be good at that. And so working towards growing, right? Because growing people change. People who love Jesus grow. But I don't force my wife to be wired to be organized. See, I think marriage is a great example of how God has made us different, not, not better from one another, but different. I mean, husbands, how many of you, and this may get you in trouble or me in trouble, how many of you are good at repairing things by a show of hands? How many of you are good. And wives, this is not a chance for you to slap his hand. Um, If he's not, I'm sorry. But some of you are good at repairing things. Wives, how many of you are good at finances? Yeah, see, these are strengths. Now, here's a cool thing. Wives, how many of you are good at repairing things? Awesome. Okay, a couple of you. Don't, Don't be shy. Raise that hand. Guys, how many of you are good at keeping your family finances? Okay, we need to do a series on that. (laughs) But you see, all of us are wired different. There is no specific model that we're supposed to follow in, well, there is a specific model in culture, but in the word, God clearly says that we're all different. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. And to try and fit people into a mold of those gifts and those abilities is dumb. It's ludicrous. That's not how we're wired. And so I believe marriage is a great example of unity in two people working in different giftings for the same purpose. And so when you and I operate within our giftings, within our own giftings, not trying to be gifted like someone else, not trying to have the ability of what someone else has, but when we operate within our God-given giftings, it frees us up to be who God has made us to be. See, God loves us all the same, but he's wired us different so that together we can be all parts of the body because one big foot is ugly. One big ear don't make sense, but all of these parts working together do. They make an effective, healthy body. And Paul continues to tell this also to the Ephesians in verse 16 of Ephesians 4. He says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint With which it is equipped when each part, if you're reading this in your Bible, underline this, working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so Paul states that when each part is working properly, not trying to work like all the other same parts, not the parts that we find that we think we need to be or that seem more appealing appealing than the part we are to play, when we are effectively and properly working together, it makes the body grow. It makes the body grow. So let me ask you this Are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? With the gifts that God has given you, are you doing your part? See, I'm not talking about Sunday morning. This is not, I promise you at the end of my message, I have no desire to give you a list of five areas you need to start serving on a Sunday morning. Now see, I am, I am grateful for all of the people who serve. All of you, ushers and greeters, those who prepare coffee, set up the chairs, the worship team, they are in here early morning to serve. But this is, this is the celebration. So if you join that team, wonderful, good. That's a great serving opportunity. That's a selfless serving those who are with our kids right now, with our kids week after week, that is a selfless serving to choose the time with the kids over the time with the adults. That is selfless serving, but I'm not talking about that. What I mean is actively pursuing your spiritual gifts that God has given you and is using them to grow the body. Are you doing your part? Because together, we... We differ in a lot of ways, in our personalities, in the way we look, in the way we talk, in our interests, but more than anything, we differ in our gifts, and that's a good God thing, and so we differ, but, but that can make us stronger, so together means using our gifts to serve one another, if you're, if you're taking notes, write that down, together means using our gifts to serve one another. And Paul continues to parallel this topic of the body of Christ throughout Romans and throughout speaking to the church in Ephesus and to the church in Corinth. But in Ephesians 2, Paul says that through Jesus, we're no longer separated. We're no longer segregated. We're no longer a group that just gathers once and then leaves alone. But that we're joined together through Jesus, in new life, to become his body, the real church, to become his body. And this changes things. This changes everything for you and I because it doesn't mean we show up for our version of church or invest in in a few specific ministries, but stay back from the ones that look a little crazy. Stay back from the ones we don't think are going to be too successful. But it means instead that you and I are a united body, together choosing to be unified to bring glory to God in our selfless serving. So then that means all of us together are doing the ministry. One of the most incredible things that, that shifted my thinking when Paul continues to speak to these churches, especially to Ephesus in chapter four, when he tells them Listen, I'm giving giving the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, I've given these guys specific gifts, but it's to equip the body for the work of the ministry. That these aren't the guys that do the couple things. These are the guys that encourage you to go out and be the ministers. And so if you haven't ever known that, know that today, that what is clear in the word as the body of Christ. We are all together doing the ministry. Outside of this morning, every single one of us plays a role. And so that means when we gather here this morning, it's more about going out together than coming here together. See, this gets to be a celebration, but as we go out Monday through Saturday, that's the active ministry. The active ministry to our community, the active ministry to one another. And my hope in this is that it changes our thinking because the, the term church, the term that defines church in the New Testament is different than what we think. See, the Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia. And ekklesia means means church. It means a people called out. A people called out or the called out ones. So it was an assembly for those who were in preparation who were intentionally gathering with the idea that they were going to effectively go out. In fact, before the early church was a thing, a gathering that would be called ecclesia was a group of soldiers. Often in Rome, they would say we are going to gather for our ecclesia, for our time, because we are the called out ones who would go and do the work. We're going to go for battle. Together as a unit, we're going to go fight the good fight. We're going to go out. And so as we look at the early church in the Bible, this group, this ecclesia, we see these vibrant relationships. These people who absolutely were selfish, or selfless, not selfish at all. I mean, as you read early on in the book of Acts, you see people that are giving up their properties. They're selling things to care for the needs of the body, for those around. In fact, there are, there are letters that if you go throughout history, you can read that there are letters between kings and emperors who are so irritated, so put off by Christians for one specific reason. You want to know why they were so put off by Christians? Because they weren't just caring for their own. They wouldn't just leave well enough alone. They had to care for those who didn't even love Jesus. They just had to be about loving people who didn't love them. And that just made emperors and rulers and kings really mad because it made them look bad. And then when the Christians had the opportunity to get the recognition, they would give it to Jesus. And oh, that made them even more mad because they were an intentional group desiring to gather Together, sharing everything with one another so that they could go out and together be the body of Christ. And so this morning, as, as we close our time and I get you home in time for kickoff, as we just reflect on this topic, I really want to challenge you and encourage you to ask yourself this question this week, am I doing my part? Am I doing my part to build up the body and be the church? Now, I know that it's, it's really easy for me to ask that question, for you to wrestle with it, and then find no application or no resolve to go, man, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what my gifts are. And let me tell you that that first and foremost, before any other resource I give you, the Holy Spirit is the best one. I want to encourage you to go and pray that prayer. Lord, am I doing my part? Holy Spirit, would you show me my part so that I may build up the body and be the church? Not just go to church, but be the church. And secondly, um, a good friend of mine has shared this with with us, um, free of charge, which is wonderful. I like free. Um, at the back at the Connection Center um, is what's called a shape test. Now, this is about a 45 minute test that you can take. You can take one of these as you leave. And what this test does is it helps you understand what your gifts are. And it's not perfect, it's not the Bible. This is not to replace your Bible reading time. Um, this is just supplemental and. An additional piece. But this is an incredible tool that I've gotten to use in discipleship with many guys and a few gals, and, and it just really helps people understand both their giftings and their personality, and helps them understand, man, where does my role fit? How can I be doing my part and build up the body and be the church? And so as you go this week and you ask that question, I want to encourage you to grab one of those packets. And because we have a dinosaur of a copier, I only have about 30 copies, but if you would like one, we also have it online. But this is just an incredible tool for you to be able to, as you're praying, as you're seeking the Holy Spirit and asking that question, to also be able to do some work. Because I believe that Jesus has done a lot of work for us, but also calls us into the process and to make a next step. And so as we return to God, our tithes and offerings, as we uh, commit this time and, and close out, I just want to encourage you in that. Be praying that, am I doing my part to build up the body and be the church? Let's pray.